This coming August 26th is National Women's Equality Day. I know you're out there going to get ready to celebrate. This day commemorates the passage of the 19th Amendment, uh, the Women's Suffrage Amendment to the United States Constitution. Uh, with us to talk about workplace, workplace equality are two of the nation's foremost experts in their Chicago zone, and Andrea Kramer and Alton Harris. They are married. They are lawyers. They speak. They train uh, right on the topic of gender bias and discrimination in the workplace. They are co-authors of three award-winning books. They are excellent books. I've read all of them. Uh, they're all on the issue of this gender bias. And their new book, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work, has just been published, and it's another great read. Um, welcome to the show, Andy and Al. How are you? Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Karen. Always good talking to you, too. Your books are so good. I I really highly recommend uh, if you are a woman in the workplace, if you have daughters, if you have friends who have issues in the workplace, they're easily readable. But they are verifiable. There are facts. There are documentation. And then there are specific solutions and proposed solutions on how to deal with it. So I really recommend these books that are available on Amazon and anywhere you buy your books. So um, let's talk. You've written and spoken about the, this the, since the 1990s about the plight of women in the workforce. And you're saying in your book that nothing really has progressed. Is that really true? Can you tell us the answer to that? Um. <clears throat> What we're basing that on, Karen, is the lack of real progress in bringing women into senior leadership positions in corporate America, uh, in uh, our leading social organizations. Uh, There certainly has been progress in bringing women into the workforce. Uh, We're now seeing uh, professional women enter the workplace in about equal numbers to men. But virtually as soon as the promotions start, as soon as people move up from entry-level managers to the next level, women begin to drop off. And by the time we get into the C-suite, women are just 25% of the C-suite in uh, Fortune 500 companies. But if we look more broadly, if we look at corporate America generally, and we look at what the SEC calls uh, named executive positions, uh, that is the CEO, CFO, and the next three highest paid positions, women across the country in all publicly held companies are only 11%. That's 11% of the top five people in corporate America. That's not much progress in our view. That's just astounding. Um, you know, I know that uh, Nextar has uh, anti-bias training that we are required to do. I know that most corporations have all kinds of programs, and they have diversity programs, and they have anti-bias training that are, that are you know, geared toward promoting and paying and otherwise treating women better in the workforce. Why, then, is this not working? Well, the problem with um, anti-bias training is that basically what it is is it said, here's what the stereotypes and the biases are, and then it kind of wags your finger and says, don't be biased. And because it's unconscious um, a bias, what happens is we can't just stop doing it 
because we're told to stop doing it. And so information is important, and we're not suggesting that information about stereotypes and biases is not useful. It's just that in and of itself, it's not going to get us anywhere. And it hasn't. So that the billions of dollars that have been spent on anti-bias training, unfortunately, have not been, um, you know, has not been very successful. And what I we think- really need to do is we need to start changing systems. We need to start changing the way in which we do things, not the way in which people think or feel or uh, uh, their attitudes. So, you know, just, and I'm going to just throw out a text that I just got that might play into this conversation. And uh, I, unfortunately, it's gone. But he says, I'm not a conservative, but I will tell you this. Men and women are different. Women have children. And you know what? Hiring a man in the workplace place is different than hiring a woman because, you know, women are going to, you know, going to focus on being a woman and men are going to focus on the workplace. You know, so okay. and so I, 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 I paused before I hit send uh, when I answered it. But I, I, I just that's a very typical thought process, is it not? Absolutely. And that's one of the uh, what we call the five gender myths, which are that somehow women lack ambition, that they're caregivers and can't deal with risk and danger. Um, the, the, the assumption, the, the myth is that somehow uh, men are for work and women are for home. And that's tied to the stereotypes and biases with respect to uh, women, men, and leaders. Yeah, and we just, don't, go ahead. we just don't see evidence that women are less committed to their careers than men. Well, and not every woman has babies. <laughs> you know, not every woman has babies, wants to have babies, will have babies. And, you know, the idea that you're presuming, and I, I know I've told this story on air before, and Andy, I know I shared this this with you, my very first job 36 years ago, I had a boss who was a very nice man. And he said words to the effect, you don't really want to do this kind of work, Karen, this litigation stuff where you're going to court and actually like trying cases because, you know, at some point you're going to settle down and like have children. And, you know, this is just, you you know, you don't want to take depositions in Arkansas when, you know, you're having children. And I didn't, you know, I, I was so naive that I thought he was being nice, but I was also offended. And I mean, what, what do you, how, where do you put that in the slot of discrimination? Well, basically, um, Al and I refer to that as benevolent bias, which is that people think they're doing you a favor, but by not giving you the same opportunities, the same chances, then you don't have the opportunity to grow and advance in your career. Um, Interestingly, when our first book came out, we got some um, uh, comments from a fellow who was a lieutenant in the Chicago Fire Department and had been in the Marines. And he said that he realized that he didn't ask the women to do the same sorts of um, heavy lifting, if you will, that he asked the men to do and thought he was doing them a favor and realized that he had actually been holding them back. 
Okay, so I get a text now. Do the work or don't complain about promotions. There is nothing dishonorable about being a mom. First of all, I don't think any of us here are talking about being a mom is dishonorable in any way. So clearly you heard something that we're not saying. But the idea that do the work or don't complain about promotions. What if a man is not getting promoted? Does he have a right to complain? I would think so. He'll be out there complaining. (laughs) But a woman shouldn't complain. She should just do the work. And And that's tied into the stereotype, Karen, about um, that women are supposed to be modest and are not supposed to be asking for things. Right. And and it's somehow masculine to do that? Like that's a masculine trait, is to ask for something that you're entitled to. Well, yes, it's a masculine trait to be assertive to be independent, to claim what's rightly yours. A woman does that, and she's often viewed as pushy or selfish or... uh, Unpleasant. Unpleasant. Unlikable. Uh, And so it does mean that women face a much trickier uh, tightrope to walk than men do with respect to promotion, because on the one hand, she needs to make clear that she is asserting herself. On the other hand, she needs to come across as pleasant and welcoming and uh, in it for the team so that uh, they, she, women have to balance the agentic qualities that men can exhibit unalloyed with the feminine qualities that people are expecting from them. And when Al says they have to, he doesn't mean that that's something that we believe is right. It's just acknowledging that that's what the stereotypes tend to track women into. Well, and you can fight all you want, but if you want to succeed in the workplace, you have to understand what you're dealing with and act accordingly. And I think, you know, we're attorneys here, and I think in the attorney profession you see this even more glaring in that what we do for a living, largely in the litigation world at least, is we fight. And, you know, we go to court and we argue and we're persuasive and we have to be aggressive and we have to be stern and we have to not take any grief and we sometimes have to politely interrupt and correct. And I have found, and I'm sure a lot of people have, have had this happen, you know, Ms. Conti, uh, don't be hysterical. Don't be yes. angry. I'm like, not, I'm not angry. I'm doing my job. This is my job. My job says I have to zealously advocate for my client. That's in my code. So that's what I'm doing. I'm getting paid a lot of money to do this. And I'm doing my job. Whereas the man's doing the same exact thing. And he's not getting that, you know, the he's not getting the scolding that I get. Well, very often, Karen, uh Women can be very effective in court when they are advocating on behalf of other people. Uh, But it is much tougher within the law firm or within any business for women to then turn around and advocate for themselves. Because now they're out of role. Now they are perceived as being themselves. And it's in that context that women have this tightrope to walk. I'm going to uh, just read this comment, and then we're going to take a break and come back and uh, address it. I am a woman. Of course, they can deal with risk and danger. It's just more expensive to hire a woman. And I would like to know what you think, Andy and Al, about that 
that notion that employers look at women and say, you know, this is fraught with money because we're going to have to pay this, that, and the other thing, and and how you deal with that as a woman in the workplace. We're talking to Andy Kramer and Al Harris. They are the authors of a new book, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. You're listening to WGN. In honor of the upcoming National Women's Equality Day this week, we're talking to Andy Harris and, uh, Al Harris and Andy Kramer, who are the authors of a new book, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. They're here in Chicago. They write, they teach, uh, they lecture, and they, they talk to uh, corporations about these issues and try to rectify these situations. And Andy and Al, before we, um, before we went to break, we got a text about the idea that women are perceived to be more expensive to hire and to keep in the workplace. Is that a problem in the hiring and the promoting process? Well, it's hard for me to understand why. First of all, we know, and it's very prominently publicized, there's a significant wage gap between women and men. Women are paid less than men are. Uh, at the professional level, they are paid almost uh, between 15 and 20 percent less than men are. So in that sense, women are cheaper than men. But beyond that, I think that very often women are viewed as more expensive because they're thought that they're going to take a maternity leave and that's going to... Uh, force corporations or other businesses to make up for that loss. They are shown statistically to take more time off than men. So in that sense, uh, you can think that women might be more expensive, but compared with the wage gap, it's minuscule. And in fact, I've seen no indication that overall the cost of employing women at whatever level of a business is more expensive than employing men overall. You know, one one other piece to that, um, uh, Karen and Al, is that um, uh, the studies show that women join the workforce as excited and as forward-thinking and, and, and hoping for success in their careers. And within just a handful of years, they've been ground down. And so women tend to leave the workplace uh, more frequently than men do. But that you can't blame that on the women. You have to blame that on the workplace. And I've seen that play out. Uh, I've got Laura from Schomburg who texted, to the person who thinks only men are focused on their jobs is so wrong. I'm a single woman, age 60 plus, who has been working full-time for 40 years. I've been focused on my job for 40 years, and so have the other women in my office, including a new president of our American and Canadian division who is a woman. Laura from Schomburg, thank you for that comment. Um, So let's talk kind of some practical things. One of the things that you talk about in this book and other books that you have written, and it really resonates with me, that people are generally comfortable with people who are like themselves. And 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 so, again, this is not a man-bashing show at all, because we have we have Al here, right? We can't bash him. He's he's a man. And, and we've Thank got, you very much. We won't let you. <laughs> we won't. We, no, I, we wouldn't even think of that. But, but people are more comfortable with people like themselves. So if men are in positions of power and they're looking to someone to do projects with them or to promote somebody or to work closely with somebody or take them on a trip to get new business or whatever it is, they're going to gravitate toward men because they feel more comfortable with men. Is that a fair statement of some of the, the reasons that we have this kind of failure to promote? Absolutely. And um, 
that's referred to as affinity bias, which is that people are more comfortable hanging around with people who are like them. And so if all, only people we have in senior leadership roles are men, then it goes almost without saying that they're going to see men as the ones who are um, uh, more appropriate, better suited for uh, their positions. And uh, it plays out in the workplace all the time where men will uh, hang around with, invite each other to lunch, have cocktails, and a lot of the um, uh, important work in organizations gets done in a informal area, informal way, and women are excluded from those sorts of social networks. This plays into what I said earlier about the need to change systems, processes, structures. We need ways to overcome that very natural, very human preference. Uh, there, we just can't get rid of it. Uh, both Plato and Aristotle talked about the preferences that we have for people who are like us. So it's been with us a very long time. So within business, what we need is some set of procedures, practices that will prevent that bias from preventing the participation of women in those leadership-enhancing opportunities. And, and basically, that was really what prompted us to write our new book, Beyond Bias, which is that we put together um, four uh, different uh, 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 steps that we call the PATH program to uh, try to change the systems as opposed to wag wagging our fingers and saying don't be biased and expecting that to solve the problems that we have in the workplace. Can you give us one example from one of your prongs? And, and it, when you do this, it gets really kind of conceptual, but like give me some concrete things. Like you come into the workplace and you have a rule or you have a, you know, you have some sort of change and, and tell me what the prong is and tell me the practical application of it. All right, let's say the PATH stands, P-A-T-H. The A stands for adopt a bias-free uh, decision-making. Decision so, for example, uh, when people are able to make decisions with their gut, when they're able to exercise unfettered uh, psychological discretion, in deciding who to promote, who to put on a team, who to take on a client pitch. People allow their biases, whether they are this affinity bias or whether they are gender bias or another bias, to influence those decisions because there's nothing to check those and we're unconsciously uh, influenced by those biases. So what we suggest is that there needs to be a process by which people are evaluated. Al, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have to cut you off because we're going to a break. Let's have you come back. We have a lot of calls on this. I would love to have you on again soon. We promise to come back. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Al Harris and, and Andy Kramer by the book Beyond Bias: The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. We'll be back in a minute. 